0: Welcome to the Nagra Sessions. I'm Catherine Black and I run cellocourses.com. In this current podcast series, I'm talking to passionate educators. When we think of education, we tend to think of institutions, schools, colleges, universities and conservatoires. In music education, we the musicians are often our own mini institution We run our teaching from homes, online and in halls. We have our own syllabus. We each have our own identities and values, as well as our histories as performers. My guest today is a powerhouse. She's an opera singer who has performed and recorded widely in major opera houses and festivals with amazing conductors and directors. She is... Because music itself is an ongoing, lifelong learning and developmental process. Also, an intriguing, imaginative and passionate teacher. Welcome, Pippa Domes longworth (laughs) Thank you. What a lovely way to be introduced. (laughs) Thank you. Pippa, I met you properly quite a while ago at your singing salon. Yes. Can you tell me how it came into being? Well, um,
1: I suppose for many years, I've always been interested, of course, as you've just said, you know we we have our own journeys to to try and perfect and and sing or play as well as we can and to develop that, but I've always been very interested in um the group of singers who maybe didn't go into the profession, or perhaps they started off in the profession and it didn't go quite as they'd hoped, or they chose to have children if they were uh, ladies and, you know, whatever. Um, These things get in the way of your initial plans. Um, And I feel that there's a group of singers out there who are passionate to sing. They've trained to some degree. They're not choral singers, they're soloists. They've had one-on-one lessons and they've developed their voices. and there isn't really anywhere for them to really flex their muscles in the in the field that I think is appropriate for them. So of course they can continue to have their one-on-one lessons and perhaps work on the you know Messiah, the mm. Creation, or all the great bits of repertoire. Which I mean, there's so much repertoire that is just glorious to sing. But my my own feeling in my own career has been um, that the greatest pleasure of all. Is to sing with the finest of musicians around you and to make music with other people who are equally in the groove of loving the fact that you're working in an ensemble and even if you're on an operatic stage you will still be singing in ensemble with the other characters but what you're not doing is trying to blend what you're not doing is trying to necessarily... Um, this is a very dangerous thing to say, so I hope there's no conductors listening. Um, but you're not trying necessarily to put all your consonants at the end of one moment in, in exactly the same place because you're very much in the character mm. of of the role that you're singing. But you are singing in ensembles. So if you're singing, for instance, one of the great Don Giovanni... Um, Ensembles, the sextet, the trio—fantastic pieces of music. You're always in your character, but you are very much in the ensemble, and you're picking up and responding to the to the other uh, characters around you in terms of text, but also in terms of music. So, of course, there's that. There's things such as I remember absolutely loving. It wasn't so long ago, um, singing the Brahms viola songs with the marvellous. Viola player um, Stephen Kavasovic on the piano, rather fabulous pianist, and uh, I thought that this this is a level of fun that when you're thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, and you think, oh, I'm singing a madrigal, fa la 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 la, <laughs> this is such fun. You know, when's the orchestra? I'm, I'm going to be in the orchestra. You know, and you begin to explore, and then you sing a bit of St John Passion and and then suddenly the tenors and basses arrive and you think, oh, my God, <laughs> this can't get more exciting. You know, that that feeling of making music with other sounds and listening to each other and thereby you're in a language that in many ways is beyond words. It's really yeah. hard to put into words. And um, if you're with thoroughly musical people, it, it is a profound language and. Um, and i feel now so for instance the brahms viola songs of which there's only two but they're utterly gorgeous mm. um that same light inside me the, the candle flame of of the joy of that i remember doing a um a, a tour with the brodsky quartet string quartet fantastically beautifully, beautiful playing from them marvelous quartet um, and we found everything that could possibly be for a, a, a mezzo or a sopa- soprano and string quartet. We did bits of Elvis Costello, we did bits of Bjork, and we did Respighi's Il Tramonto, and we did some uh, classical repertoire. And the two fiddle players and the viola player stand. So as the singer, you are very much part of the quartet, because you're you've got maybe a foot and a half either side of you. So, rather like I I think in jazz, you know, you're although you're singing, you've got the dots in front of you, and of course you're you're making a happy version of those dots. You're you're very much responding to what the musicians around you are are passing to you, and oftentimes you couldn't put it in into words, but you feel it very strongly. Um, uh, I remember the marvelous leader at that time. Who just played so beautifully that he he sort of lifted you onto the onto your phrase and and it, it was like a sort of love affair. There's a whole section in the middle between the first fiddle and and the voice. So I I've always found that hugely pleasurable. And although of course in opera there are moments when you are most definitely on your own, singing a big um, aria downstage, uh, and and that can be pleasurable as well and pressurised inevitably but but pleasurable and of course it's pretty much always extraordinarily fine music and a a great pleasure to be in a position where you can invest your own response to it. But I think there's something about ensembles so to answer your question, singing salon I found that I had a lovely room, we just moved house which gave me the space to have singers so... I have sort of 15, 17 singers, they come once a month. Uh, it's a date that, you know, if something happens that I have to move it, then um, it's it gives us 30 other days to choose. But normally it works. Um, I do concerts with them, we get asked to do concerts quite often, and uh, we had six lovely years at the Royal Pavilion in Brighton, which was a huge pleasure with a the backdrop of the music room. and the I saw Cristiano. one of your
0: productions there and it was stunning. Yeah, that, It well, that really was, was thrilling.
1: It's such a beautiful yeah. surroundings that to be able to put, I don't know, Mozart, Verdi, Puccini, Britain, mm. whatever, in, into there was a huge pleasure. But it means that this group, they're all, they're solo singers. Some of them are, are would-be professionals but didn't... Continue after they'd left college. Some of them are very, good very good amateurs, experienced amateurs, um, and I just work really hard with them and 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 lift lift the bar as much as I, as I can. And you know, I think like any performer would say, I feel that actually that's what I'm doing. I'm a bit more experienced in that I've been doing my professional life. Mm. I've been singing throughout, and but that desire to do something as well as you can and to dig into the text and, you know, you might be looking at a bit of Bernstein or a bit of Sondheim or something that's very much uh, lyrics-led or, you know, there's so much repertoire out there and, of course, everything you do, you want to do as beautifully as you possibly can or as powerfully and as communicatively as you can. So that's just the same as the singers. So I feel that, you know, we're all in this pot together... I think it's very, very important not to have a hierarchy. So Mm -hmm. there's no better people and lesser people because I do profoundly believe that everybody is absolutely equally valid um, and everybody has their strengths and everybody has areas they'd like to be better. So, you know, I have one singer... In fact, I have one singer (laughs) who who quite often sings music hall songs so well with, in one case, a football dressed up as Anne Boleyn (laughs) under her arm, which... I love just as much as another singer who's singing Rosalca most beautifully. And we were asked to open a festival in Andalusia and I remember the singer singing the Rosalca. I managed to find the highest possible place (laughs) above a lodger looking right down. So she she had the sort of moon and the clouds behind her singing the song of the moon, song to the moon, of course. So, you know, everybody has their strengths and it's allowing people to feel... Special and valid, and that their their contribution to that piece is unique, and, and that yeah. they
0: have space and they 're yeah. allowed to expand their voice yeah, and I mean I work in a similar way in that I have cellists who are quite new alongside people who've been paying, playing for forty years, and we all learn from each other yes. don 't we We never stop learning
1: no exactly and i'm i 'm humbled by them and i 'm very mm touched by them because they give their all and the the thing that, <laughs> that i most love is that that as you alluded to i do have some
0: mad ideas
1: um but i like to be really imaginative with them because i think i think that there's there's theatrical power to be had what i enjoy is that i don't do whole pieces because that would mean giving one soprano a lot to do and one tenor i've got some marvelous tenors and baritones. um give, overweight them. So what I tend to do is I look, I know my, the voices I have very well and occasionally uh, somebody else will join. So I know them very well. So I can, I know where their strengths are. So I think that you can give everybody, so everyone's more or less doing the same amount, but you can package it in a really imaginative, fun way. And, you know, sometimes that's something very, very simple, like like creating complete darkness and just having a torch under somebody 's face, yeah. and then another torch it was another torch and and taking a very very simple around or so you can you can cause the audience to gasp and think, "Oh goodness you know and where 's that sound coming from and oh my goodness they 're all y- you can make magic without having to be the finest voice in the world, or you know i wouldn 't call myself a director i 'm just thinking, how can we present this in a way that that the audience are constantly going, mm. oh, my goodness, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. oh, <laughs> And they come with me. They trust me and they come with me. Mm. And I,
0: I owe them a lot for that. You did a production in a wood, didn't you? Yes. What was that? <laughs> well, I was asked if
1: I'd like to do something in Bentley Wildfowl, yeah. uh, which is a fantastic wood, it's a re- marvellous wood. And in the wood, there are all sorts of little places where hideouts and things like that yeah. <laughs> I don't know, all sorts of things anyway I didn't just think I'll use the wood I went completely bonkers there was a little train there so I thought okay I need a pied piper so I rewrote I, I took sections of Hansel and it became about 45 minutes long and the audience arrived on a tiny little train and they went through a tunnel and there was a pied piper sitting on the top oh, of the tunnel wow. very lovely clarinetist Steve Dunmer so he was sitting on top of the tunnel playing a bit of, of you know, da, 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 da of Hansel and Gretel. And so the audience was sort of, suddenly found themselves in this tunnel filled with Hansel and Gretel sound and the Pied Piper, who then, of course, the other side, led them forward, and I scooped up at the back end, as were, <laughs> made sure they all moved forward. And we went on the journey of Hansel and Gretel. So we found Hansel and Gretel, who were having a frightful argument with their mother, which caused them to knock over the milk churn, and she said out you go into the forest, don't come back until you have bought lots of berries and all the rest of it. Um, and then amongst the forest, of course, we had a spectacular witch and Jew fairies and and it was magical. It was absolutely magical because the children, it, it, it felt like a journey. It was a sort of 40-minute journey. It was very clear to see, um, for them to feel, you know, that Hansel and Gretel were discovering things and then they fell asleep and we'd... Instead of chicken in a basket, I had orchestra in a basket. <laughs> <laughs> I had to press the right buttons to get the right bit <laughs> at the right time. <laughs> so, you know, glorious music, the evening prayer of Homba of mm. Um And that went very well. And we were asked to do that scores and scores of time. And another thing we did, actually, this was pre-singing salon. This was another group. I took a group to um, Kenya with a colleague. And... I remember that very well because we we wrote a little bit before and said we wanted to raise money for um, HIV/AIDS children out there, orphan an orphanage. I think we raised fifty thousand, so it was wow, rather good. Um, and I wrote and said, you know, would any of your children like to be in this? And I got a note back saying, "Pippa, it's a lovely idea, but I don't think they really sing Mozart." I said, "No, no, 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 they don't have to sing Mozart." <laughs> they're not going to sing well, so Just if they just want to come and be part and we'll invent something there and then which we did which was so it started it was in the big arboretum in Nairobi it started in the orchestra with the the magic flute overture and then about I suppose two minutes in the overture was overrun with 200 children running in through the audience <laughs> all in bright bright colours and all with drums going pa. <laughs> down, faster, yeah. Papa still mozart, <laughs> <laughs> and the audience, wow, like, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening, and this wonderful energy of all these children, who then and we then went into the scene of of the the snake chasing Tamino, and I said to the children, Now, you're a very scary snake, and you're going to go." for a short time because there's 200 of you (laughs) and you're coming up this side of the stage and you're going to go down that side well of course they were all miniature you know Olivier's so they each came up and a huge scene would involve with that little child and its hissing snake and that was but but you see completely different set of children to the Hansel and Gretel children what they had in common which I will never forget is and, and as you can imagine very very different life experiences and expectations the look of absolute, utter wonder Mm. that they're looking at people who are singing and they're making this sound, classically trained singers that they couldn't see where it came from or what it was, but that person was singing words to them, whether it was Hansel saying, come on we're going into the forest or whether it was Tamino going ooh, snakes Um, that's really magic and I think that that's I th- I think that it's just completely wonderful and positive and beneficial for everybody, including me, because I think through over the years, as I've done odd nutty things, I think my standing on the stage has a has a sort of a balance about it. That when you first when you first leave college, everything seems to hang around your you know is my pianissimo on the high A going to be absolutely perfect, and do I need to alter this vowel slightly? Mm-hmm. And you can very easily get so so um wrapped up and particularly around technique for singers because you you know ideally you don't see it happening but it has you have to know what you're doing in order to get what you want and and there's always periods when you're not singing as well as other periods when yeah when you are so i think it puts a balance yeah, into it all, i really, really get that
0: yeah and i think you've also done something so life-changing for people and this is the power of music, isn't it, to literally change lives. Yes. And you know, a fascinating thing happened in the pandemic, which
1: was, I was supposed to be out in um, Provence teaching on a summer school, um, and it was cancelled, and it, and then it, by then it was the second time because it had been in the first lockdown. And I said to the people who ran it, shall I offer a weekend online um, to see if that's fun for anybody well by the time the pandemic was beginning to disappear I'd done 23 courses and I've just invented something just now which which I'm excited about which will just be a couple of hours a month but it's I suppose by the end there were about 60 online singers who all did four or five courses and it became a sort of family and Mm -hmm. I began to realize that through through the power of music or, or the power of them wanting to be able to sing and learn uh, you know and I took different subjects I don't know embellishing baroque opera or um, uh, you know lighter music for for classical singers or Mozart opera or bell canto all these different things so there was a there was something on which to hang their coat on and as it were and, and to develop but actually, There were a lot of people living on their own, or even if they didn't live on their own, a lot of people who felt their identity and their persona was so profoundly wrapped up with their facility to communicate as singers. Mm. And they wanted that communication to be as easy as possible, which is where technique comes in, so you have the most colours to play with. Um, But they... have but I, I think it really mattered in a time when we weren't connecting with each, with each other, to acknowledge each of those unique and individual personalities and their and their love of music. Yeah, actually, and one of the ones I did was was about an ageing voice and and showed them and had all these faces with great big eyes looking at me, terrifying because I'm I, now I'm a bit better at Zoom, but I was just it was terrifying then. <laughs> um, but of course if you're serious about what you do and you keep your eye on the ball and you make sure you're you know always developing so you're not going backwards there's no reason why you can't be singing beautifully way beyond the age that the yeah. average person might think so i was able to screen share um you know lovely bits and pieces that i found on youtube which was so inspiring yeah and I've that seen some. that i think mm. that made a real difference because you know as i talked about a candle flame inside each of those people on on the screen has that and, and this thing i've started now means that that community of people where it's recognized that that everybody on the screen cares very much to be able to pick up i don't know a Finzi song or yeah. Yeah.
0: even
1: even a victorian parlor song or mm. you know the sort of things that in days gone by everybody would have stood around the piano and so yeah yeah
0: Pippa, thank you so much for letting us all hear about your work. It seemed to be a very, very long
1: sentence. You perhaps should have stopped me at some point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so
1: much. It's a pleasure. It's a real pleasure. And I know what fantastic work you do as well. Thank you.
0: Thank you.